Second Kings, excuse me, chapter six. Second Kings, chapter six. Don't forget tonight. What's happening tonight? Shotgun two. Not one. Don't scare me. Uh, that's going to make my work cut out for me harder. But we've been working diligently and hard, and we've had some of the homes come down from other cities and uh, assist us in passing out flyers. We still have opportunity to pass out flyers, but we're going to be working hard. Uh, we need to uh, transport all these chairs once you're done here and all the chairs that we have, uh, every chair that we have, over to uh, the uh, uh, adult school there on Sunset Adult School. They're on Princeton Boulevard, and uh, we're anticipating a powerful move of God. We're having uh, a rapper from Los Angeles, or the church in Los Angeles, Victor Outreach, come down, Sean. Uh, will be with us, King Sean, and then we'll be doing the play. And so uh, the kids have been working real, real hard as well. And we're expecting a powerful turnout. We're expecting a lot of souls to be saved. Amen. And so uh, pray for that. Be a part of it. Come on out and see souls saved on tonight. Plus, the play always gets gooder and gooder. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay, do you have Second Kings chapter 6? Beginning in verse 12. Down to verse 17. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet who was in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Hijo, that's pretty heavy, huh? Go find out where he is, the king ordered. This is the king of Syria. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, or battalion. They went by night and surrounded the entire city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be what? The prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and church of fire all around Elisha. Father, I pray that we would open our eyes. Learn from this message here to be conscious of the fact that wherever we tread, wherever we walk, wherever we go, we would always look to you, the unseen guest, the unseen guest in our house, the unseen captain in our battles, the unseen God that wants more than anything else to help us. Even now I'm beckoning your help. You the unseen God. To help me and get me out of the way. And to minister to your people. That we would walk in our lives Lord God. Knowing that we are not alone. But that at a beckoning prayer. A beckoning call you can be there to help us. When we need you. You'll be there. Many people need you here this morning Lord God. And we pray that you would just show up in a powerful way. As you often and always do. We ask it in Jesus name. And everybody together said. Amen. Turn around, greet one another one more time. I love the Lord prior to your having a seat. Praise God. The title of my sermon is I Can Do. E Y E. Okay, if you're taking notes, don't write I can do. Write E Y E. Did I say E I E? E I E ho. Ah. I ain't going to get to no spelling be here. E-Y-E. I. The I. Can do. I can do what? All things. Through Christ who strengthens me. But we can do all things when we see the unseen. That's what I'm going to be dealing with here today. The unseen guests that we can call upon at any time upon our lives as I prayed. 
Here in 2 Kings chapter 6, we find the king of Syria. He's waging war against Israel. But it's always an unsuccessful war. He's getting beat time and time again. He's wondering, what's happening here? Why am I losing? He thinks he smells a rat. He thinks there's somebody among him in the verses prior to verse 12. They, they, they refer to this. And he says, man, what's happening here? How come Robo's losing? Why are we waging unsuccessful war? What's happening here? So he thinks he smells a rat. He thinks there's somebody there that's giving him up. He thinks he has a traitor in his ranks. But then one of his uh, advisors, the Bible says there, comes and says, no, 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 that's not, the, that's not the case. There's a prophet in the land by the name of Elisha. He says he understands even your bedside manner. He even understands what's happening in your bedchamber. This guy's bad. And so the king gets all irritated. He says, man, what am I going to do here? So he ponders up a, a strategy of which to capture Elisha. He finds out where he's at. He's in Dothan. And he says, he sends a battalion of, of, of army to go capture him. And then we, we see here that that army surrounds the city of Dothan. And in the morning when the disciple of Elisha gets up to go get the morning newspaper. He's walking out there to go get the, the you know, milk and, and, and the orange juice for the prophet. He goes out and the Bible says he sees the entire city surrounded. It was a, it was a city in a valley. Okay, and so he, he sees battalion of armies surrounding the city of Dothan. So he goes back, okay, and he, he tells uh, 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 the Elisha, his, his, you know, his prophet, his, his leader, when he sees what is he surrounded by, he's stricken with utter fear. Fear grips him. And what's the opposite of fear? Faith. Faith. We need to understand that. That's why I asked you to say, afraid. Because uh, fear will stifle you. Fear will frighten you into doing the things that are not of God. Only faith pleases God. Uh, so when he looks out, he says, there's no escape, man. We are surrounded. We can't get out of this. You ever been in that condition or predicament? When you say, man, it's futile. It's over. Uh, I'm not going to get, I'll never get out of this one. And we think like that. Maybe some of your bills are higher than the church, you know, roof. Uh, maybe your spouse, hallelujah. Uh, maybe your children, maybe something is, you're, you're just, you know, you feel like you're going to succumb to these things. Well, this guy felt there was no escape. There was wrong. So he goes and he tells Elisha. Uh, he explains to Elisha. And he asked him, what shall we do? But what he's really saying is, we've had it. It's over. We can't get out of this one. But the shock of a lifetime was about to hit this disciple. Elisha doesn't pray, God, help us. He doesn't pray that. Uh, nor does he pray, you know, God, it's been a good life. But me and my little disciple, we're going to see you in just a little bit. Because <laughs> it's over. He doesn't pray that. This disciple gets the shock of his lifetime. He prays, Lord, be with my disciple. He can't see things as they really are in the spirit. Open his eyes. He's blind, God. Let him see the unseen. That's what a genuine Christian will do. You can't just see the tangible and the concrete here. Real Christians see the unseen. We pray in the power of God. And I've said before, I think when you're not a Christian, life is 50% natural, 50% spiritual. But when you become a Christian, it's like 75% spiritual, 25% physical. And then get real physical. Hallelujah. Uh, we're supposed to be in the spirit. Now, in the natural, 
the disciple of Elisha could probably, he could probably see better than, than, than his, his leader. He could probably see better because he was younger. And young people are, are, are you know, are, they have good vision, <laughs> by and large. They don't need, let me see if I have them here, hallelujah. Uh, they're here someplace. They don't need help. Uh, I do. He had good vision. Hallelujah. But that, in a sense, was, a, was the disciples' greatest problem. It was a problem to him in the physical, to the point of the place that it paralyzed him. Years ago when I spoke a sermon here, I talked about Helen Keller many, many years ago. How Helen, Helen Keller was interviewed and they asked her, what could be worse than to be born blind? And Helen Keller said, to be born with sight and have no vision. Because uh, she was blind, but she had vision. Uh, so this disciple, because he was able to see so good, he's paralyzed with fear. This guy, his main dilemma was not that he was physically blind. His problem was that he could only see the tangible. He could only see the concrete. He could only see what was seen. That was his biggest problem. Thus, my friend, he was part of the cast of the young and the restless. Because he was young and he got all restless. He was able to see too good in the physical. See, church, I'm going to say that a lot this sermon. See, church. Uh, the man who can only see the physical, only those things that can be seen, is always cheated in life. Listen to what I said. He's robbed of a number of things that he could have in his life. He's only living half a life. This person is robbing himself of greater, the greater part of life. This person is, is prone to making wrong, ill choices in his life. Because all they see is, 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 is the concrete. And listen, when you're going to look at just the concrete, you're going to overwhelm yourself. I've been so overwhelmed when I'm just looking at the, at the natural, just looking at the physical. It, 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 man, you can succumb to it. Easy. Because you're not taking into consideration the spiritual. So this man robs himself of, of life. He continually is making bad choices because he doesn't equate the unseen into his decisions. Understand what I said? He doesn't, equ- he doesn't, he doesn't include the unseen. Yes, God, it's like this, but I'm going to add into my recipe of life a little bit of the spiritual or a whole lot of the spiritual in my life. Uh, we need to understand that. He doesn't count on the spiritual regarding his future. What he sees is what he gets, period. What you see is what you get and nothing more. The natural. That's what I was saying. We just got back when we were in Europe. We went to the different churches. But prior to that, we went to, France. We went to Paris. We were there for two and a half days. And man, what a city. City of lights. But I looked at that city and I told my wife, this city has its reward. That's it. What you see is what you get. Uh, because you're American. If you, what you say, you ain't going to get it. Uh, they don't like to speak English there. But it's a beautiful city, but it has its reward in the here and now, and that's it. One percent of the French are Christians. That's all. One percent. Terrible. What they see is what they get, nothing else. See, in the natural world, this holds true as well. See, the power of electricity has forever been around. But nobody understood the power of electricity until a man by the name of Thomas Edison came around. Ah. Until he came around, that power, that power of electricity was usually always a nemesis rather than being a blessing to people. Listen to what I'm saying here. Until Thomas Edison came around. See, then this man, Thomas Edison, he, came, he comes along with an eye for the unseen. Is what he did. 
As a Christian, when we come along, we have an eye for the unseen. Man, you have unlimited power at your resources. See, this man was able to harness and lasso that electrical power for the benefit of humanity. Because Edison had an eye for the unseen in nature. Are you with me? Thus, he was able to create electricity to be obedient to his will and make it work for him. When you learn to pray, you can make the power of the unseen work for you like electricity did for Edison. It does for us here today. Uh, see, those electrical waves, they have always been around since the beginning of time. From Father Abraham uh, until Alexander Graham Bell. Now, those are the other waves. Uh, they have ether and all, the, all these different waves that you can tap into. But those waves have always been around from the beginning of time. They were there ready to be used. But the men of those days weren't able to have an eye for what was there, for the unseen. So they missed out on the service of the electrical waves. They missed out on that. Uh, they could have served them. It serves us now. That's what God wants to do. He wants to serve us. I've preached before how up until about 100 years ago, people would go to the beach and they'd leave the beach and what happened? Their toes would get all black and gooey. All messed up. Uh, they'd be there trying to scrape that black tar out of their toes. Uh, but then someday, one day, some guy came around and harnessed that power <laughs> from your toes. Uh, and the oil. And it became gas. Uh, Albert Einstein came along and he, he saw the atomic power. But it has always been there. Until Albert Einstein had an eye for the unseen. Somebody had an eye for that unseen power in the oil. Thomas Edison had that, the, the eye for the unseen in electricity. Uh, see, man, without the eye for the unseen, can never really be an artist. He can never really be a poet. He can't. Uh, an artist can come and he, look, look, he can look at a slab of rock and see a Venus de Milo. He can see... A poet can, can look at a, only God can make a tree. Uh, I don't remember, that's the first poem I ever learned. Uh, something about trees. Poems are made by, I don't know, something like that. Um, but they can take nature and make it into poetry. But they have to have that eye for the unseen. See, because the artist and the poet, they have more than meets the eye. As a Christian, you have to have more than meets the eye. You're here right now and looking at all this tangible, checking out people's clothes and, you know, what's, what's wrong, all that stuff. Ah, what's right, what's wrong. But you have to have an eye for the unseen. If you come in here just in the physical and, not, and you don't tap into the, the, the spiritual, then you, you're going to live out here the same. You're going to go out to the same. That's why I pray today, God open their eyes. When we walk out of here, we can have the power of God with us. See, artists... They, 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 like I said, they look at a, a slab of stone and they, they, they turn it into a statue. Uh, they turn it into a painting. People who only see the physical, the visible, they will never really discover the best in people. They won't, not at all. Beauty to many is mostly only skin deep. Rather than looking at the soul, the spirit of a person. A woman or a man can be beautiful on the outside, but horribly ugly and misshapen on the inside because we're just looking at the outside Ooh, ah wow then they start talking hi <laughs> all of a sudden it goes from this to <laughs> ay, ay, ay. 
See, people like this, they miss a whole lot. But the key is they will miss God. Listen to what I said. They're going to miss the Lord. They're going to miss the things that are in the spiritual. And that's the worst tragedy of all. I have a sermon that I preached again years ago called Lot Thought. What did Lot think? The grass was greener on the other side. Married couples, where's the grass greener? Where you water it. That's all. But Lot thought, you know, Abraham gave him a choice. Where do you want to go? And he saw all the green fields. Abraham took the mountainous place. Lot thought, ooh, look at the green grass. Uh, but there was more to Sodom and Gomorrah than green grass. Uh, Lot thought. Uh, came out on flames. My goodness, uh, his wife turned into a pillar of salt. Lot thought. Because he didn't see the moral climate. There was more to it than meets the eye. Napoleon, if you ever studied history in Waterloo, this guy was, was a great conqueror. And I've been to France lately. And I've been thinking a lot about Napoleon. I've been reading about Napoleon. This guy was a great, great, he was a strategist, maybe the greatest war strategist of all time. Nobody could beat him. You go to France, man, there's all kinds of statues for the guy. Uh, Napoleon, the great. But he went into Russia and he miscalculated. He didn't bring in the unseen. He thought, I got him. I got battalions. I got ranks of men and armies. And so I, I got it. I can outnumber. We got him. But then God brought a little snowflake, a little drop of rain, a little ditch over here. Uh, no more food. He didn't think about the things of God. He didn't bring God into his equation. You don't do that. You're going to fail in life. I guarantee you, you'll fail in life. When you don't include God in your equation. Uh, Napoleon, Napoleon only saw what was seen. And the man who sees only the physical is always prone to fail. When you only take into consideration the physical, you're prone to fail. Okay, let's bring the sermon around the bend here. How did Elisha's disciple come to be able to, to see the unseen? How can you and I get to the point in place where we are able to see more than meets the eye? Well, number one. Except a man be born again, he cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. The first way that you're able to see the unseen is through prayer. Prayer works. Uh, prayer gets a hold of the things of God. Prayer, real prayer, from the heart, reaches the heart of God and it opens up the riches of heaven. Prayer discovers God. Prayer turns the ideal into the real. That's what it does. Uh, the ideal, Lord, I wish, I, I pray, the ideal turns into the real. Boom, there it is. God is able to bring it, the tangible results. Uh, your ideal prayer becomes real. I mean, I remember when I got saved. I mean, I was as natural as natural can be. I was as carnal as carnal can be. But then one day, you know, I remember how I told you how I raised my hand. Raise your hand if you want God. You know, finally, then he had everybody stand up. I wasn't going to stand up. But then I finally came to the altar, and I bent down, and I meant what the preacher said, and I opened my heart in prayer. And all of a sudden, whoosh, I got up from the altar, I was like, because prayer works. Amen. Right. And all of a sudden, I, you know, if any man be in Christ, a new creation, all things are passed away, behold, see, Pineda became new. I mean, you know, I go back to my hometown, they, I sort of look the same. Uh, but I'm not that same person because prayer works. Uh, 
We need to understand that. Then secondly, you know, and the second thing we need to be able to see the unseen is obedience. First of all is prayer. I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. You pray seriously, genuinely to the things of God, and God will come through. I know who I work for. He'll come through. That's number one, prayer. Then secondly is obedience. See, Thomas Edison learned the power of electricity, and Einstein learned about the power of the atom, but not by disobeying its laws, but by simply being obedient to their laws. you got to learn the, the laws of electricity. You have to learn the laws of the atomic power. And then you got to stay and be obedient to the realm of that power. Paul says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. Conform- in other words, being made conformable means being obedient to the things of God. That I might know him in the power. Paul says, I know the power of the resurrection when I'm obedient. I want to know your ways, like that song says, so that I can be obedient to those ways and thus be blessed and thus be able to see the unseen. Obedience opens up the door to the unseen. The Bible says the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritual, and they're spiritually discerned. But the, spirit, the spiritual man, he says he knows all things, because he knows the will of God, and he knows to be obedient to the will of God. And when he flows in the will of God, then he can see the Spirit. He understands the spiritual things. The natural man cannot know the secrets of God. Obedience has its own reward. Einstein had to be obedient to the laws of electricity. We have to be obedient to the laws of the Spirit. And the Spirit has laws. You find that in the book of Romans. You've got to follow those laws. Uh, but obedience is its own reward. When I first got saved that day, and everything, God turned on the light, it was on a Sunday. And I was all, wow. I, I remember, I was shaking everybody's hand, God bless you, God bless you. I had so much love now, and I could finally be me. All right, I don't have to be a phony. I can be for real, all right. I love the things of God. Then I went to sleep. I'd kick my heroin habit, got up in the morning. And even in my story. Uh, the assistant director came up to my bed and says, okay, get up, Pineda. Go check the KP list. So I went downstairs, KP list, dishes, Pineda, my name. I had to do the dishes. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, really, I was like, the devil told me, you ain't no chaval, orale, come on, you know. Girls. And again, if you, my wife will tell you, my mother did everything in our house. She cleaned, wow, everything. Oh, thank God. But now I had to do the dishes. And again, remember what, what was the name of the detergent? Joy. Joy. Man. But I did it. I put on the apron. I, did. I was obedient. And the power of God fell. The devil had to flee. There's power in obedience. Obedience has its own reward. You're able to tap into the powers of the unseen. Really, I think the minute I started washing dishes... The power of God fell, and the devil had to flee. He had to get out of the house. I mean, he'll come back. But he had to leave for the time being. There's, you know, for the, he had to go. Uh, because the power of God, I didn't even know what was happening. But already the laws of the Spirit were in effect. They had to take place. It had to happen in the home, guys. Hallelujah. You're obedient. That's what's going to happen. And in your own household, you're obedient. The power of God's going to fall. Uh, obedience allowed. More than meets the eye. It allowed me then, 
and allows me even today to tap into the power of the unseen. This recipe of obedience, it always works. Did you hear what I said? The recipe of obedience always works. It works even in the hardest cases. Ah, that's what happens. God cannot be found through a telescope. God cannot be found through a science, scientist's microscope. Not at all. But only through prayer and obedience. You want to find God? Then be obedient. Obey the call of God. To some of you, you won't know the full power of God here in Hayward. But until you're obedient to his call. You'll find the deep power of God in Indonesia, some of you. Uh, maybe some of you in Japan. Some of you in Tracy. Somebody maybe over in Vacaville. Someplace, wherever. That's where you're going to find the power of God. You'll find it here being obedient, but to the call of God. Because this church is called to send people out. Some people will be here, they'll be miserable. But then they go where they're supposed to be. Wham! Power of God. Really, really, you know, talk to Keith. He said, man, he lives in Manila because every time he, go, he prays for me, people fall. But over here, he prays for you. You're looking at him. Oh, I, uh, really, he knows. Keith understands. Uh, <laughs> because where you go, the power of God will be there. In obedience to the call of God for your life. Then thirdly, the way to the realm of the unseen is through purity, holiness. Prayer, obedience, then purity. A pure, holy life. Blessed are the pure in heart for they're going to what? See God. In every circumstance, in every situation. In every trial, uh, in every turmoil, if you're pure in heart, you're going to see God. And you'll understand that. These see God not only in the sweet by and by, but in the here and now. In the here and now. In your situations now. See, and this is important. This is very important what I'm about to tell you right now. What we are determines what we see. Understand what I'm saying here. This is, this is profound, I think. What we are determines what we see. See, a buzzer can fly around, fly over lilies and fields and flowers and, you know, shrubbery and bushes, real nice. But all he'll see is a dead carcass, dead flesh. Be quiet. He's a buzzard. What you are determines what you see. Ah. Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London and back again. Pussycat, pussycat, what did you? I saw a... By the queen's knee. Why? Because he's a mouse. He looks for rats. Uh, well, he's a cat. He's a cat. <laughs> Mouses look for cats and cheese. <laughs> uh, they want cheese, but they're looking out for cats. Cat, 12 o'clock, all right, let's go. Because he's a mouse. And cats look for mouses because they're cats. Buzzards look for dead carcasses because they're buzzards. Uh, what you are determines pretty much what you see. Uh, those of you that are here today and you're bored, it's not your fault. You're not a Christian yet. You're still in the natural. Those of you that are here that are Christians, it is your fault. You're carnal. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I didn't, you know, it's not in my notes, but uh, the Holy Ghost, you know, power of God fell, you know. It's happening in the unseen. Because there are the three men the Bible speaks about in Corinthians. The spiritual man, uh, the natural man who doesn't know God, and the carnal man uh, who, who sort of knows God, but he don't care. He turns God off. Uh, so what you are determines what you see. If you're always checking out pornography, be careful. That's what you're going to be. Uh, have you ever seen those guys? I don't know. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's us. Uh, you, know, you check out your... You know, be careful. You might not even be a Christian. 
It's funny now, but I'm going to talk to you guys. Some of you guys always check out all the, you know, always looking at the girls, not at the rice. <laughs> Be careful. I was taught many years ago by, by a minister. Thank God for him. He says, when you look at a woman, he says, look at their eyes. Look at their eyes. You know, Okay, bye. I'll see you, sister. How oh, well you? Boy, will you see her. <laughs> Be careful. What you are determines what you're going to see. Uh, if you was looking at that stuff, man, you might not be born again. You might not be a Christian. Uh, you're never going to see the things of God. Because there's no purity. There's no holiness there. This will determine what and who you're going to become. What you look at, what you see. Um, when I first got to Hayward... We fell asleep, my wife and I, on June 22nd, I think, uh, 1981. We had my son. He, he stayed awake the whole trip over. It was a long trip, about 12 hours. Uh, we, we took the long road, uh, traveling slow. Uh, you know that Josie wasn't driving. <laughs> and so I, I still remember, like if it was yesterday. I remember, you know, though it wasn't. Uh, but I remember laying down, and I could look at my head just dropping to the, we didn't have, we didn't care, all we saw was rug, and that's what we wanted. Just give me some rug, rug, rug. Uh, wow. And we, we got up in the morning. I remember saying, wow. And they said, well, let's, 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 let's get ready. Let's, let's, you know, so we went to, to go bathe. We went to go to the shower, and man, it was all filthy and dirty and ugly. We had to make it run, 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 run. See, how many know that Hayward water is the best? You might not know, but I'm going to find it out right now. I'll tell you. It is so good. It is. Union City water. Oof. San Leandro water, I think it gets a little bit of Hayward water in it. But Hayward water. See, the problem when I moved here to Roost Road was not the water. Hayward water is pure, beautiful water. It was the pipes. And sometimes the pipes need a cleaning. Sometimes with us. It's, the problem isn't God, because he's the water. Sometimes it's the. The carnitas. Uh, you're a pipe. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you're not a good pipe because you're full of filth. You know, you're, it's not the water's fault. So today, maybe some of your pipes need to be clean, clean up. As soon as I make the altar call, hallelujah. Ah, clean the pipes. We need to understand that. Now, once Elisha's disciple, once his eyes were opened, he was able to realize the presence of God. Once his eyes were opened, he said, man, look at this. That's what happens. That's what happened to me when I got saved. I realized the presence of God. I don't got to be a drug addict no more. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live a good life. I can, I can please my father. I can please my mother. I can please even my enemies. Ah, I can change. See, he realized the presence of God. That's what happens. He was then able to realize that he was not alone. That's the bonus and the benefit of having eyes for the unseen. You realize you're not alone. When I first got saved, I mentioned a lot of this stuff. I, and I was in the home. I used to say, listen, you can throw me in the hole and fools of prison, but just give me a Bible, and I'm going to be all right. Thank God that didn't happen. Though sometimes I wish because I was in the home, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because I knew I wasn't alone no more. 
That's what happens when you see the unseen. You know you're not alone. You and I then realize that if God be for us, then hey, everything's going to be all right. Uh, it's going to be all right. I read the end of the Bible, and we win. Jesus will still be there. That's why I love that song so much. Uh, he'll still be there. The disciple of Elisha, he did see the enemies of the Syrian army. They were all about him. They, he did. He saw them. But now, he saw a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Listen to what I'm saying as I'm bringing this sermon to a close. When we are spiritually blind, it doesn't mean that we don't, you know, it doesn't mean that God is not there. When we're spiritually blind, it doesn't mean that God's not there because he is. Like oil is there, the power of oil. Like the atomic power kit's there. Electricity's there. So when we're spiritually blind, it doesn't mean that God's not there. He is. But we're not able to tap into that power, though it's already there. Like electricity's here. Television waves, they're here, but we don't have a TV here, thank God. Uh, but they're here if we wanted to use them. That's the same thing with God. He's there if you want to use him. No matter what. And though he wants to be able to, to help us, because the Bible says he's an ever-present help in time of need. God is an ever-present help in time of need if you want to tap into him. Uh, but his hands are tied because you can't see the unseen. Everywhere you go, he wants to, he's going to be there at your beckoning prayer. He wants to help you. But if you don't call him, my friend, then his hands are tied. He's there like this following you around, but he can't help you. Man, how I wanted to take you like, like, like a mother hen in Jerusalem. I wanted to help you, but you wouldn't call on to me. When you were on drugs, he wanted to help you, uh, but you didn't call to him. Uh, his hands were tied. But the minute you said, well, you know what, God? What do you got to say? All right, Pineda. That's all I was waiting for. Next time you go to court, they're going to call you Mr. Pineda. Because of me. Yeah, Mr. Pineda. Yes, talking to me, Your Honor. Ah, the unseen guess. But he's unable, my friend, to intervene on your behalf, though he wants to, because you won't call upon him. See, what the opening of the eye to the unseen, what it did for Elisha's disciple, it was also what it did, okay, is that it was able to make him Blind to the scene. Understand what I said? You probably don't understand what I said, but let me clarify this. When he opened his eyes, he saw what was with him. And what it largely did was make him blind to the things that were seen. He, he couldn't see them. Man. They were there, but he almost couldn't see them. As he saw the chariots and the horses of fire of the army of God, he forgot about the chariots and the horses of Syria. Ooh, Hallelujah. They were there, but he forgot about them. He got all like, look at this. That's what happened to me when I opened my eyes to you. I said, man, I don't have to fix no more heroin. You ain't about nothing. Your problems? Honey? Hallelujah. Husband? I can take you now. Hallelujah. You're going to be all right. Say whatever you want to say, but I'm ready because I see the unseen God. He's going to make our marriage work. Ah, like it or not, devil. Ah, today, some of you, today you've come into the house of God with a thousand worries, a thousand problems, a thousand cares. Ah, it's hard for you to even see into tomorrow. There's some of you who like that. You've got a thousand cares upon your shoulder. 
It's hard for you even to see till Monday, till tomorrow. Well, to you I say, may your eyes be open. Uh, look at the glory and the splendor of the Most High God. Look to Jesus, the author and refiner of your faith. And the rest of the things will go, they're going to grow strangely small in comparison to the awesomeness and the bigness and the hugeness of Almighty God. See, what happened to this young disciple of Elisha was that as he saw less of the seen and more of the unseen, he grew more and more courageous. He was frightened in the beginning. He was afraid. But all of a sudden, he's able to see the unseen, and he ain't afraid of nothing. Some of you were big and bad in the world, and all of a sudden, you go, listen, you get some of God in you. I know what God can do through you. Ministry like this, God doesn't call sissies a victory. Trust me. Very few sissies can make it in this ministry. I know what kind of people God calls here. Some of you are so terrible. Ah. But now when you get the Holy Ghost in you, the power of God, you're able to see the big God. All that other stuff ain't about nothing, man. Ah. Just waiting for a fight. Because with you and God, it's a majority. It's done. It's over. Uh, ain't nothing to it but to do it. This guy grew more and more courageous. Valiant in battle. Look at Hebrews 11, 27, then I'm done. Vision is the mother of courage. Hope you didn't miss that one. Vision is the mother of courage. When you can see Almighty God, whew, you can take on anything. Vision is the mother. It births courage. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27. Do you have it? This is one of my wife's favorite verses of all time. Now let's get ready to rumble. rumble. Josie likes this one. By faith. Talking about Moses. He left Egypt. Not what? Fearing. Not fearing. Get away to It's faith. Get away to fear. Not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Moses endured. He kept on. He was courageous, strong, courageous. Why? Because he saw the invisible. He called in the unseen. Stephen in the book of Acts, he never saw the stones that hit him because he saw the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. Saw vision is the mother of courage. What do you see? What are your enemies today? They don't have to be that big. What are your troubles or trials that are facing you? Uh, do they seem large? Do they seem unsurmountable? To you, I say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim by the light of his glory and grace. What a beautiful song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. By the light of his glory and grace. Vision brings courage. I can do. E-Y-E. What do you see? I saw a mouse by the queen's knee. I saw a dead carcass by the flower patch. You buzzard, you. You cat, you. What could I say? You Christian you. Because Christians tap into the unseen. 
wherever you go. This sermon was vital to me. My wife knows. I had to really get in there and get it together. I was doing so much this past week. And I almost felt like saying, well, no, 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 I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm going to go in and get one of my sermons that I've been putting away that I haven't preached in a long time. And, but I knew this sermon had to be brought here. Because we as Victor Outreach we've got to learn to tap into the unseen. Man, watch and see what will happen. You prayer warriors, you Tuesday prayer warriors, you Wednesday prayer warriors, learn to tap into the unseen. And then you'll be able to behold the glory of God. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I can do all things. How did this man find a way to tap into the unseen? Prayer, obedience, and purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Some of you this morning, you need to get your pipes clean. God is not the problem. The water is not the problem. God is a pure, holy God. A righteous God. Holiness is what I need. Purity, righteousness, faithfulness. That's what I need. Well, you can have it, but you've got to clean the pipes. Obedience has its own reward. Prayer works. As every head is bowed in the right close spirit of God, moving in ministry. Some of you, you've come in here with loads of cares and worries and troubles, dilemmas and problems. What do you see here this morning? When you see God, you can see more than a light at the end of the tunnel. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered, was courageous, went on victoriously because he saw him. Who is invisible, the unseen guest. God is like electricity. He wants to show up. He's like the atomic power. For many years, people couldn't harness this power until somebody came along with an eye for the unseen and lassoed that power of electricity, that power of the atom, that power of found in oil. There's power found in the kingdom of God. But unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I want to pray for those of you that need to get right with God. You need to call upon that unseen guest. You haven't been living as victorious as you need to because God's hands are tied. And you know that. If that's you from all of this place, you find yourself in either one of these categories and you need prayer. You need God in your life. I'm going to ask you very quickly from all those places to stand to your feet right there where you're at.